You're listening to 24 Karis, informative conversations with Karis by KJE, a values-driven workplace culture firm. Hi, everyone. This is Kelly Johnson, founder of Karis by KJE. The 24 Karis podcast is on a summer break preparing for our next season, but with everything happening right now, we wanted to share this bonus episode with you right away. Here we go. Over the last few weeks, I have been asked several times in many ways and by many different people the exact same question, and that is, what's the future of DEI? Is DEI dead? The reality is I have mixed thoughts and emotions about this question. Depending on who's asking, this question sparks multiple layers of conversations and dialogue and it can even highlight different challenges and nuances. Some people are characterizing DEI as having experienced a boom in 2020. In the wake of a global pandemic and intense social justice issues and tragedies, DEI was suddenly all the rage. Prior to 2020, many people had never actively engaged in conversations about diversity, race, equity, and inclusion. It was so much easier to simply not engage. But for the first time in many people's lifetime, they started looking for answers to some really big questions. The ugly monster of hate could no longer be ignored. This time emerging three heads, hate against Asian, Jewish, and Black people. Meanwhile, we were learning how to navigate a global health crisis, and we needed answers, answers about why our society was still experiencing hate, injustice, and racism. Hungry for answers, we engaged in important conversations. We read books and listened to podcasts. On an individual and organizational level, we began to do something. We looked in the mirror and said, What have I done or not done that is continuing or contributing to the problem? And how can I show up differently? In 2020, many of these efforts were a first. And for organizations who had been on the DEI journey for a while, those conversations and efforts intensified. Greater commitment levels were communicated and promises were made, in many cases, to the tune of millions of dollars. Now, three years later, many of those same promises have faded, left unfulfilled, and now the country seems to be in a culture war, with DEI being the primary target. Or is it? I've been in the DEI space for over 20 years, a few more years than I care to admit, but nonetheless, I've been doing this work before it became DEIB back when it was simply called diversity. Over the years, I've seen the pendulum swing, albeit usually at much less dramatic levels from what we're seeing today. But over the years, I have seen periods of apathy around DEI, and I've seen periods of great interest and progress. What drives the temperature for the DEI climate? Quite simply, it's leadership. Who is in leadership at an organization or in a government institution is what determines if DEI will be leveraged using a growth mindset 
or a limited mindset. And so now many people are wondering, is DEI dying? Is it already dead? That question has many layers and implications for me personally and professionally. I evaluate this question on three levels. First, as a woman of color and faith, a daughter of a single mom, and now a mother of my own children who will grow up in what we leave them. Secondly, as a veteran practitioner with global experience in the DEI industry. And finally, as a service provider, the founder of Karis by KJE, an eight-year-old technology-based DEI firm. And so it is within these contexts that I want to talk about this quintessential question, is DEI dead? Before I answer that question, I wanna share with you how I'm evaluating this environment. I gave you the context. Now I want to share with you the environment that I'm evaluating this important question around. To paint the picture, I want us to first look at this from a non-DEI perspective for just a minute. I want to look at it as a market evaluation. Whether we're talking about a housing market, an economic market, or even a labor market, there are always various cycles and conditions that these markets will experience. Whether a market is experiencing tremendous growth or significant losses, we know that no market, housing, labor, or economy can sustain periods of accelerated growth forever. At some point, that market will become challenged. It will begin to slow down and experience loss in some cases. The fact is, no market can sustain high growth forever. Housing prices cannot continue to rise at double-digit percentages year over year. At a certain point, those price increases will outpace what the market can bear. We see the same thing in the labor market. Those of you who are within the HR profession know that at times we find ourselves in an employer market and at times in an employee market. For the last few years, we have been in an, in an employee-driven market coming out of a lengthy period pre-pandemic that was mostly favorable for employers. The pandemic became a massive disruptor within the labor market, requiring companies to adjust to market conditions by becoming more flexible in their work arrangements. Even as those conditions that required virtual or hybrid work arrangements began to recede, labor market shifts meant that companies still had to adopt or sustain hybrid and virtual work arrangements to attract and retain talent. There were other conditions that impacted the labor market. Compensation and benefits expectations by workers had shifted. Employees were looking for a higher quality of life as we were coming out of the pandemic, requiring employers to adjust and adapt if they were going to continue to attract and retain the talent they needed to sustain their businesses and meet the needs of customers and clients. The Great Resignation was a huge disruptor in the labor market. With turnover at record levels, 
companies had to give in to the demands of a now employee-driven labor market. We saw workers really challenging geographic requirements to do their jobs, which was a reasonable question given that we have shown a tremendous ability to adapt to a virtual or hybrid environment during the height of the pandemic. Now, before you give me an amen, hear what I'm about to say. I have always believed that the demand for 100% virtual employment was not going to be a sustainable labor market condition. With the real estate investments that companies are often locked into, at a certain point, employers were not going to be able to absorb a 100% virtual workforce permanently. We saw in late 2022, some return to office policies being implemented by many large employers and the labor market reacted. Many employees were not happy, but now almost 12 months later, we're seeing the labor market balance out. Many companies are more flexible than they were pre-pandemic and many workers are utilizing a hybrid work schedule. While these labor market shifts were uncomfortable during its height, they were likely needed to produce healthier results. So how does this relate to DEI, you might be wondering. I believe DEI as an industry is experiencing similar shifts from various market conditions. In 2020, DEI reached a peak as an industry. DEI became the cool kid. With its new popular status, the DEI market experienced many newcomers and significant financial investments. What I believe we're seeing in 2023 are the entry of new market conditions and disruptors that will ultimately bring DEI as an industry to a place where it's yielding even healthier results. The disruption began with the economic uncertainties and threats of a recession in 2022, and it became heightened by political disruptions like the various legislative and Supreme Court decisions over the past year. Beyond economic and political conditions, we cannot ignore the mental and emotional conditions that cause disruption within the DEI market. Some might call it DEI fatigue. But I think fatigue has become too generalized and requires further investigation. In strength training, we know that muscles must experience tiny tears in order to grow and become larger. When I worked out with a personal trainer, she wanted me to do enough reps that required my muscles to shake a bit from the effort. If I was just flying through my reps, she knew I either needed more weight or more reps. In essence, there are healthy forms of fatigue that cause growth and unhealthy forms of fatigue that cause failure. How does this relate to the condition of the DEI market? Those who are experiencing fatigue from DEI should evaluate why. Why am I feeling fatigue? Is it because conversations and initiatives around DEI are making me uncomfortable? Are my muscles beginning to shake from effort 
because I'm lifting more weight than I have in the past? If so, these could be examples of healthy fatigue that lead to growth. Or am I fatigued from DEI because I'm concerned that I might lose something? Am I experiencing the burn of lactic acid buildup because there are parts of DEI that I just don't agree with? These types of fatigue will likely diminish growth if you stop the work. And so when we look at all of the different market dynamics, the economic and political uncertainty, along with the different mindsets about DEI, we can see that there are many disruptors within the DEI market that are causing a shift. And right now it appears to be a loss, but we must remember that extreme conditions are not sustainable for long periods in any market and market adjustments are rarely comfortable. The pendulum always swings highest at the onset and then it settles over time. That's why I believe that anytime there is a market shift, in, partic in particular in the direction of a potential loss, we should be identifying ways to retool and regroup. When inflation was getting out of control in 2022, the Federal Reserve Bank initiated a series of interest rate hikes. No one likes high interest rates, but it was a necessary move. Remember, market adjustments are not comfortable, but they are necessary. On July 11, 2023, AP News reported that inflation had cooled to 3%, the lowest it's been in two years, and prices for gas, groceries, and used cars have eased a bit. While there's still more work to do, the economy is certainly headed in a more positive direction. So what should we be doing right now? Is DEI dead or dying? How should we respond to these DEI market conditions? The answer will probably vary if you are a DEI practitioner, a DEI service provider like our firm, Cares by KJE, or a company who has a commitment to DEI like our clients. You may have heard the expression that if you ask better questions, you will get better answers. I think personally asking the question, is DEI dead or dying, is not really the ideal question. The better question is, how will the DEI market stabilize and what will it look like? I think we're going to see a few things in the evolution of the DEI industry. Number one, the players in the DEI market will likely shrink. For DEI practitioners, those individuals who are supporting and leading diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging efforts within their respective workplaces, what do these market conditions mean for their careers? DEI practitioners and the initiatives and programs that they drive and support in their organizations are experiencing significant challenges right now. In our work with clients, we see the toll these market conditions are creating. There's high burnout. We're seeing high turnover and layoffs within the DEI space. We're seeing budgets being reduced. And we know that some of those promises from 2020 are not materializing. This is significant 
and very unfortunate. And I think it will lead to some practitioners making a shift in their careers in pursuit of greater stability in their own mental health and well-being. They will likely not fully walk away from contributing to DEI, but they may take on other roles in human resources, marketing, or philanthropy that will allow them to integrate aspects of DEI into their work. For those of us who are DEI service providers, the question becomes, how will we adapt to this shifting in the market? I have some thoughts about that, but I'll, I think I'll save those for another time. Number two, some will play the long game. In an organization, if an organization does not yet understand how diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility, and belonging strengthens its culture and how it impacts its ability to attract, retain, and develop talent to win customer loyalty, then it will be very easy for them to discount or pull back on its commitment to DEI. But those organizations who do understand it and have already experienced it will continue to be resilient despite what the market conditions are bearing right now, despite the culture war that's happening, despite some of the economic pressures. Those organizations, and especially the leaders who understand the value that DEI brings to their workplace culture, will continue to invest in DEIB. Simply put, they will play the long game. Case in point, the filings in Florida led by University of South Florida faculty and students, as well as 19 employers who are protesting the Florida legislation that prohibits academic institutions and businesses from discussing or providing training about race in a manner that makes people feel guilt or anguish. There are organizations who truly understand the importance of DEI to their top and bottom line, to their overall workplace culture, their employee well-being, and who do not want to be prohibited from providing the support, the training, the programs and resources to their team members that help them build and maintain a workplace culture that gets results. Organizations who in general have a long-term view around growth will recognize the importance of continuing their investment in DEI. If an organization typically has a short-term view, meaning they are basically managing to the quarter, then they are likely going to be more prone to pulling back on their DEI investment because they're looking at the climate that's right in front of them right now, instead of pursuing the ability to meet employee, shareholder, and community needs in the long term. Number three, some will change the game. I was recently asked by a reporter during an interview what I thought companies had gotten right or wrong over the last few years when it comes to DEI. The interview was in response to the high profile departures of DEI executives in Hollywood. What I thought was interesting about the inquiry was that high turnover within the DEI executive space is not new. It predates 2020. 
I was interviewed by the Wall Street Journal in 2020 before the DEI boom had like fully taken off. It was about chief diversity officer turnover. And what I said in early 2022 still holds true today, which is this. The chief diversity officer role is one that is often least funded, least resourced, and least supported. The size of a DEI team is often one of the smallest in an organization, and yet it is responsible for enterprise level change. I can't think of too many other corporate functions that we would require or expect to make massive enterprise level contributions with the limited number of resources that most DEI teams have. And yet, year after year, we expect chief diversity officers with just a few people on their team and very limited budgets and very little allyship support from their executive peers to be successful. We wonder why turnover happens every two to three years in that position and why DEI programs and efforts seem to start and stop only to be restarted months or years later when the new DEI leader comes in. Over the last 20 years, I have seen this dynamic play out time and time again, both as an in-house chief diversity officer and in my role of advising chief diversity officers through my firm, Keras. And while DEI is getting quite a bit of attention and may seem to be at a crossroads right now, I believe that there will be some of us who will help change the game for the better. If you wanna be a part of shifting the DEI market and restoring it to a healthier position, you need to be part of the Keras Evolve experience on September 12th in Dallas. During Keras Evolve, we are going to continue this conversation and provide a collaborative and interactive framework for us to work together to design solutions for all leaders who are responsible for driving culture within their organizations. Keras Evolve is not only for the DEI leader, but it is especially for the DEI leader. It's also for the CEOs of the organizations and chief people officers who collaborate and partner with those who are responsible for leading culture. At Keras, we have identified five key areas of focus that we will lean into during Keras Evolve. We believe these five areas are what's needed to leverage DEI in a way that advances business outcomes. So we hope you'll join us. Visit karisglobal.com forward slash Keras Evolve for more information. So what's my final take on the question? The big quintessential question, is DEI dead? Well, if you're asking me if DEI is a driver of results, an enabler of a high-performing culture, an antidote to toxic workplace behaviors, a determiner of future business success, then yes, DEI is D-E-A-D, a driver, an enabler, an antidote, and a determiner of future business success. Will you join us? Visit karisglobal.com forward slash karisevolve and let's join together to prove that DEI 
is a driver, enabler, an antidote, and a determiner. It's dead. Thanks for listening. At Karis by KJE, we want to know what you care about. Drop us a note in the comments and tell us what you enjoyed about today's conversation. And be sure to share it with your network and subscribe to our channel.